Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1211 1st Avenue North on the third floor. not sure exactly where it began, uh, but sometime when I was a kid, probably about the time that Apollo 13 came out, I decided that I wanted to be an astronaut. Um, now, I have never, ever in my life uh, been in reasonably good shape, and I knew that most astronauts were Air Force people, and so I immediately thought, well, going the Air Force route is, that's right out. Um, I don't have what it takes. Uh, so the next best thing, I heard that some of the other people on the space shuttle were scientists, so I decided that I wanted to be literally a rocket scientist. Now, again, maybe it was Apollo 13. Maybe it was because back in the day, if you grew up here in Florida, you knew that like every year you ended up going to the Cape Kennedy and going to see the spaceships and stuff, and it was awesome, and I loved it. And so I decided I wanted to be a rocket scientist. And then when I was in 11th grade, something happened. I had always been pretty good at math. I'd always made A's in math. Uh, and then I got to 11th grade, and I got to pre-calculus. <laughs> And somewhere along the middle of the, the year, I went from being an A student in math to, oh my gosh, can I claw out a C? Please? Like, I suddenly got terrible at math. Like, I reached my limit of mathematical ability. It is one semester of pre-calc. That is as high as my mathematical ability can go. I was done. I mean, done with math. When I got to college, I took math for the liberal arts major, which was basically checkbook balancing, something that our phone does automatically at this point. <laughs> the reason that math is so important for rocket scientists, and therefore not a part of my career, is this. If you are off in your calculations by a very little bit with a rocket, with just... I mean, if, you, if your launch angle is one centimeter off, you will miss your target by hundreds of thousands of miles. Why? Because if you have two things right here, and this is the route you're supposed to go, and you start just a bit outside, as it goes further and further and further, what happens? It's further away from the route it should be. How we start matters. That launch angle with rocket ships is important. And... This relates to what we're going to talk about this morning because the way that we think and the way that we conceive of the beginning of this world, whatever that is, has a marked difference in the way that we approach life. Just like if the launch angle of a rocket is off by just a little bit, it changes everything. The way that we conceive of the beginning of this world can change so much about the way that we view Life. It's interesting that so many questions um, come back to this. So many questions come back to where did life begin? And if we're being honest, those of us who are Christians, um, sort of our view does not get does not get good play in the media, right? Whenever I think of things um, and the media and and culture talking about um, what Christians believe about the beginnings of the world, all I can think of is that scene in Mean Girls where she's describing being homeschooled, right? You know, and on the May, uh, eighth day, God created the Smith and Wesson bolt-action rifle so man could fight the dinosaurs and others. It's it's tough. 
And there's sort of, especially in the last 50 to 75 years, been this sort of growing rivalry between science and religion. Somewhere along the road, it has been decided that science and religion are mutually exclusive categories. You cannot be an intelligent, thinking person and believe in religion. You cannot be a religious person and be a thoroughgoing scientist. At least that's, that's what our culture tells us, that those two things are separate. And yet that's not, that's not exactly the case. It's interesting, just as a side note as we go into this, that, that it is belief in God that allows things to be scientifically measurable and repeatable. It's interesting that sort of the, what we know as modern science grew out of uh, the sort of renaissance um, and the sort of Christian Reformation. There, that's just a side note. But what's, what's tough is that on both sides, people have been throwing rocks with this idea of how the earth came into being. And so this morning, as we sort of look and start to walk through the Apostles' Creed together, last week we talked about the fact that we believe in God, the Father Almighty. This week we are looking at the idea of maker of heaven and earth. And a lot of people want to engage in debates about how old the earth is. Is it 4 billion years old? Is it 6,000 years old? And I think that when we do things like that, we miss the point. Because ultimately... The Bible is not a science textbook. It tells us things. It tells us things about how the earth was made. But it does not, it is not meant to be a science textbook. In fact, the part of the Bible that tells us the most about how God created the world is a poem. Now, most of us would not go and say, you know, the best place for me to find scientific data is in a poem. You know, I really need to figure out uh, the nuclear molar mass of helium let me grab my Emily Dickinson book. This seems legit. So what I want to start with is just by pointing out what we as Christians believe really matters. And that's two things. One, that in whatever way God chose to create this world, whether he did it slowly or quickly, whether it's instantaneous or over a long period of time, first of all, we believe that God is the creator of this world. That he is the one who made it. And the second thing that we believe in, and this is, this is maybe one of the more important ones, is that at some point Adam and Eve were real people. There really wasn't Adam. There really wasn't Eve. There really was a tree and a garden. And those things are significant for what we believe. So many other things that we attach around that, so many other things that we say, well, this particular belief about how the world was created or that particular belief, so many of those things kind of fall aside in the importance of the Bible besides that God is the maker of all things and that Adam and Eve were real people. So here's what I want to do. I want us to read a passage from Isaiah. And as we read it, what I want us to do is look and see the ways that this is significant to our lives. Because it's easy to think that this idea that God is the maker of heaven and earth is an intellectual concept. It's something that might affect you know, the way we frame one debate or another. No, no, no. This is something that's significant and important for us today. Not just in our modern times, but for this week in our lives. So if you would stand up, I'm going to read Isaiah 40. I'm going to read the last 10 verses of the chapter. Um, I'll read them out loud. They'll be on the screen, or 
Um, if you have a Bible app on your phone, you can pull that up to listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. Who spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing. And makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted. Scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Who can bring out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. City Church, this is the Word of God, written nearly 3,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. You see, when we begin to talk about the idea that God is the maker of the earth, we forget something. And we forget one important distinction. We forget the distinction that He is the Creator and that we are the creature. That God is the maker of all things, visible and invisible, and that we are a part of those things that are made. Isaiah saw exactly this and began to walk through it. When he starts to talk about who God is, he starts to talk about the fact that God has made all things huge and small. He's made incredibly complex, giant things like the stars. There's that, that part in there where he said, look up. And look at all of these stars. Who tells them to give out light? Who makes them? Who knows every one of their names? It's God. It's interesting that most of us live here in the city, and if we can see a dozen stars on a given night because of light pollution and other pollution, it's a great day, right? But most of us have had the experience where we go out into the mountains go out into the middle of nowhere where there's sort of no cities anywhere by, and we kind of look up and go, oh, there really are a lot of stars, right? I, I can remember growing up in a city, and then the first time I sort of went to my grandparents' house out in the country going, well, where'd you get all those? We don't have half of those, right? God says, and Isaiah says that God made all of those huge things and God made little things. He talks about the fact that God made grasshoppers. Right? This is the season, and this is a public service announcement for those of us in, in St. Petersburg. Those little black grasshoppers that are all over, kill them. Okay? Kill them with prejudice. 
Because those are the things that will grow up. And you know those enormous, in the summertime, those enormous locust things? Those little black grasshoppers you think are cute that are hanging out on your plants today, three months from now, this is what's happening, okay? Public service announcement, kill the eastern, I think it's like the eastern lubber grasshopper. God made grasshoppers and stars. And there's something significant about the scale of that. That he made some of the smallest things and he made the biggest things. But not only that, he is not someone who creates and lets it go, who creates and walks away. He's also intimately involved with the earth. Isaiah says that scarcely have we dropped seeds into the ground and they have taken root that God can cause the things to happen to make them die or to make them flourish. Ultimately, what happens with crops is not what the farmer's almanac is going to say is going to happen to crops. It's what God says. Because he is intimately involved with everything that he has made. He is the creator. And he's not just involved with natural order of things, right? We can sometimes think that, yeah, well, God's in charge of all of the natural order. But this stuff, this stuff that we do as humans, whether or not I make that sale, whether or not I get that promotion, whether or not I'm able to have, whatever it is, God's also involved intimately with our lives as people. It says that he brings, sets up princes and brings them low. He is the one who orders all of these events. And we see that as creator, God is bigger and greater than we can imagine. His ways are above our ways. We don't always understand what is going on. And that's hard for us. Because I kind of want to understand what is going on. I want to understand why things happen the way they happen. I want to be able to predict what's going to happen. And I can't. I can't always predict what happens. In the words of Jurassic Park, life uh, finds a way. (laughs) There's something absolutely true to the sort of chaos of things, right? You can drop a piece of toast a hundred times, and as soon as you say it always falls on the butter side, then there's that one where it doesn't. And there's an element to which we cannot always see what's going on. And that strikes at the fact that what we want is we want to be in charge. We want to be the creator. When we're not, we're creatures. In fact, we are creatures who are made to be dependent. That is, that is harder for us to swallow than the idea that God made the earth. That I am made to be dependent on something else besides myself. I don't like that. That's uncomfortable to me to think that I do not have the capacity and wherewithal within myself to accomplish whatever I want. Let me say that again, because in St. Pete, this is something that we St. Petersburg folk struggle with. You do not have the wherewithal and strength within yourself to accomplish whatever you want. We don't like that. You see, what happened is... When Adam 
ate of the tree, when Adam and Eve ate of that tree, they unplugged us from our source of life. We were created to be in constant contact with God. And when Adam and Eve ate that ate of that tree, what happened was they removed that constant contact. It's almost as if um, we are... Okay, so we all know what it's like to have the drama of your phone running out of battery, right? What happens when that little pop-up shows up on your phone and it says, you have 10% of your battery remaining, right? We all have this sort of nervous tension that comes over us and what do we keep, what do we start doing? Got to find a plug. (laughs) Got to find a plug. Where's our plug? Can I borrow a plug? Do you have, do you, no, 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 the new, the new iPhone one. The new, do you have the new iPhone? No, not the long one. No, what, what is that, an iPhone 4? What are you doing? No, the new one. And we start frantically searching for power because, God forbid, our phone die. We are frantically searching for power for our phone. Okay, that's, that's silly, though it's true. <laughs> Genuinely, what has happened to us is that we have been unplugged. We have been unplugged from our Creator, from the way that we were designed and made to be. And so we are left finding and seeking and searching for a source of meaning and strength. And so we're going around and we're trying to find it. And we're sort of trying to plug in to anything that we can. We're trying to find something. And it's interesting because in St. Pete, St. Pete is the seventh least religious city in the country. I cite that sometimes. Many of you guys have heard me say that before. Some of you haven't by your faces. That St. Pete is the seventh least religious city in the country. Uh, We're up among the ranks like Portland, Denver, Austin, those sort of cities, that's sort of the same thing as St. Petersburg um, as a city has. But what's really interesting to me is while we are not highly religious city, we are a very spiritual city. We're not high re- highly religious. The number of churches in St. Petersburg per capita is low. But the amount of spiritual activity is actually high. Think about so many of us who know people. Some of you this morning, this may be you too. Uh, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, Laura, um, who I met at Bandit. She's hangs out at Bandit and works there like I do. And so, like, you know, we always sort of help each other out. If, you know, if I need the table with the power cord, she'll give it to me because, Jeff Power? <laughs> it came back, huh? And Laura was sitting there one day. Actually, I can tell you uh, what day it was. It was um, December 21st. And she was talking to me about um, our Christmas Eve service that we had. And she was in Christmas Day, and she was asking me about that. And she was really excited about what we were doing as a church. Now, and then she started talking about, um, oh, yeah, I read this 17th century mystic monk, and I was really getting a lot out of it. And then tonight I'm going to... Um, I'm going to a solstice circle where we're all going to light candles. Um, and, and so what she was doing was, and, and this is what so many of us do, is we sort of say, well, I like this part of Christianity. So I'm going to get some of that. 
And I like sort of this part of Islam. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of that. And I really like the way that Judaism treats this. And so I'm going to, and it's almost as if we're at a buffet. We're at the golden corral of religions, right? And we're walking down with our plate going, uh-huh, yep. Brussels sprouts, hard pass. Right? And, and we sort of, we pick, we a la carte what we believe. And so we're left with this plate that is sort of this mismatch of southern, well, golden crown is a terrible idea because pretty much you get southern fried brown stuff. Um, <laughs> kind of gross just thinking about it. But if we were to go to like a bigger restaurant, a fancy, you know, uh, a Japanese-Chinese restaurant, we get a little bit of sushi, we get a little bit of orange chicken, we get a little bit of crab rangoon, and we sort of, we're left with this mix and match all over the place. When we do that, what we're doing is we're walking around, we're trying, to, we're trying to find meaning. We're trying to find significance. We're trying to find strength. And when we, when we mishmash things together, what ends up happening is we're left with something that's so confusing and jumbled that we have to keep seeking. The same is true for us um, in St. Petersburg with the way that we treat um, fitness. We're looking for it to give us meaning. We're looking for it to give us strength. We're looking to plug into it. Success. You know what? We're in a, a startup place. I saw, oh gosh, I saw an article the other day about Tampapreneurs. That like this article was like, oh yeah, you should come to the Bay Area and be a Tampapreneur. It was like a, a portamantu of entrepreneur in Tampa, and it was terrible. It was awful. It was a butchering of the English language. But there's, but there's something to the fact that this is such a startup rich environment. Why are we starting up so many new companies? Because we want value. We want significance. If a 19-year-old in a dorm room can create a company that's worth half a trillion dollars, why can't I? I don't even have to, I'll take a million, half a trillion, I don't even bother with that. Why? We are constantly looking for meaning. We're looking for strength and we keep trying to find it. We as Christians are guilty of this, especially in one way. We as Christians uh, search for meaning so often in others. I need you to be my source. I need you to be the one that gives my life meaning. This relationship is all that there is. And when that relationship starts going poorly, what happens? We are wrecked. We are absolutely wrecked when that relationship begins to fall apart. Why? Why is that so hard? Why is it that there are certain relationships in our life when they begin to fall apart... It just undoes us. The reason that is, is because we're looking for that person to be our source. To be where we can plug in. And it just never satisfies. Most of us have been through this cycle. Most of us know what it's like to try to look for another person to give us meaning another person to give us all the strength that we need. It never works, and so what do we do? 
try more, try harder, work harder for this relate, and then it doesn't, and so we keep going. When we treat sort of religion and spirituality in an a la carte manner, you know what we do? It's just like the buffet. When you kind of go, oh, well, this was tasty. I'm not full because it's a Chinese buffet. So what do we do? We go back and we get more. And it never quite satisfies. It's never quite good enough. And we keep searching for that. And the problem is, is that we have been broken off from our Creator. Broken off for the way that we were designed to be. Which is where Jesus enters this story. See, why the story of Jesus is so significant is that we as the creatures severed our relationship with our Creator. And instead of going, sorry about your luck, y'all are on your own, what God did is said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to become a creature myself. I'm going to endure all of life just like they do. And so Jesus comes to this earth, has a real body. He didn't just appear to be human. He just didn't seem like he was human. He just didn't have a a human shell on him. No, he was really human. Jesus got sick. Jesus got coughs. Jesus had stomach issues. Jesus had all of the sort of things that we experience as humans, Jesus experienced. And so the creator became the creature, in order to bring us back to our source. The death of Jesus and His resurrection brings us back to God. It plugs us back into that power source. So as we begin to see that God is the maker of heaven and earth, when we begin to admit that, yes, I look for my meaning and my strength in so many other things, and I begin to see that Jesus is the one that does that for me, what I can do is I can stop fighting to create meaning in my life. I can stop fighting. Because if I'm looking for meaning in the one who created me, I don't have to fight for it. I can trust. If I start believing that Jesus is the one that reconnects me, I can stop fighting to create strength. I can rest. He has already done that on my behalf. I don't have to maintain this image. I don't have to keep everybody thinking that I'm one kind of person. I don't have to keep up and say, you know what, if I don't improve in this area, people will stop believing that I am this kind of person. We can stop and rest and say... I can be connected to the one who designed me. I can rest and know that God has made me and that he loves me. And there is great, great freedom in resting in that and not walking around trying to find somewhere to plug into. Let's pray.